Merry Christmas, everyone. Of all people on the face of the planet, we have the most to be joyful about at Christmas time. The beginning of God introducing the third big piece of his story, redemption. Sending his son Jesus to become a man, taking the form of a humble servant, born in a stable, living for 33 years, giving his life on the cross for us so that we could be reconciled to God, buying us back from our sin. And that's a pretty exciting story um, that tells us a lot about our future. And so it's easy to say Merry Christmas, isn't it? I love to do it no matter where anybody's coming from out there in the marketplace. It's fun to do it with the clerks and uh, the people who are serving and waiting on us out in the public areas. So it's fun to give them just a little, have a little opportunity to share a piece of the good news. Well, this morning, we're going to take a look at a part of the Christmas story. And I have to tell you, you know, you're supposed to tell the warnings up front. They do that on the movies. And this is a PG rated, well, some might say PG-13 rated um, message this morning. Uh, because we're going to talk about some surprises that Mary faced in giving birth to Jesus. And before we do that, I want to invite you, if you would like to follow along in a Bible, uh, that is a hard copy. Some of you I know have, other, have one with you. Then the ushers are waiting. If you'd raise your hand, and they'll hand you one. This message, we're not going to have a bunch of slides this morning, because you're going to find out that there's a few surprises that happen along the way uh, for us. And I'm speaking this morning. Instead of my husband, Jared, who you know isn't here today, he's sick, and he got sick. We came back from Arizona um, from his sunshine injection, and he woke up in the middle of the night, Friday night, um, sick. I won't describe it all for you, but let's say the porcelain throne was involved, okay? <laughs> That's how we like to say it. So um, we made the call yesterday afternoon. I'm going to speak. I'm going to share the message I had prepared for next week, this week, and vice versa. He'll be, he'll be back with us. So um, thank you, and we appreciate your prayers for him. Well, we're talking about surprise. No one got what they expected. And we're really talking about the Christmas story all this month, and we're looking at it through different people's eyes. Now, when I was going to college, my freshman year in college, I lived in a family, and the father was an elder in the church we were attending there at Faith Center, and he had a bunch of college students living in the house. It was a three-level house with a basement, too. So I had a room in that house, and you know, college students, 5 a.m. is not their prime time, but that was the dad's prime time, Noel. And so he was up before all of us, and he managed to greet every single one of us on our way out the door to classes, because we'd often bike or walk to class. And Noel's favorite sending us off to college comment was, expect the unexpected. Now, he meant two things by it as he came to explain it to us over the months that he gave us that little word. He said it regularly. He even had a button made that said, expect the unexpected. And there were two aspects to it. First of all is that walking with Jesus is an adventure, and he is going to surprise you daily because he's God, and God has infinite creativity and he has plans we can't imagine, and he can see ahead and behind, and right in the present, time is nothing to him. So he was, this anticipate, don't miss out on the unexpected moments that Jesus has for you today, because for sure, certainly, he has some. And then the second part of it was his version of Maranatha baby, those words that mean, come 
quickly, Lord Jesus, which had to do with reminding each other that Jesus Christ's coming is going to come unexpectedly. And it was his little way of sending us off to college each morning with that, Jesus is going to surprise you today. And secondly, today might be the day that he chooses to come back. And that was such a wonderful way to take off for school. But you know, not all surprises are met with that kind of enthusiasm. And I can't say that every day we met his little greeting with that kind of enthusiasm. I'd like to know from you, if you'd show with a raise of hands, how many of you faced an unexpected event or happening just this week? Yeah, quite a few of us. Last night, there were a lot of us that had. You know, I found that not all surprises are created equal when it comes to enthusiastically embracing them. Some of them are better than others. And you know, last night, um, I mean, two nights ago at the parents' night out, they had a little surprise. The VGA cord, which powers the projector, and uh, it gave out. And you know, it was a movie night for the kids while the parents were allowed to go have a, a date night. And showing a movie when the VGA cord goes out isn't a good thing. And our media guy, our media and sound guy, Alex Craze, he got to respond to an unexpected event. When it all goes down, the thing that you're relying on. In just a minute, I'll tell you how that worked for him. And as I was getting ready um, for next weekend, surprise, 1.20 in the morning, my husband wakes me up. He's been ill since midnight and said, would you pray for me? And that's an unusual thing, not him asking me to pray for him, but him doing it in the middle of the night and waking me up to do it. And so I did, to which immediately he made a quick trip to the porcelain throne once again. But in the middle of that, we had to decide, what are we going to do in the middle of that unexpected? And for you, it might be that the house that you're renting, the owner gives you a notice telling you that they've been foreclosed on. And... You've not done anything wrong. You've paid your rent on time, but guess what? You're going to be moving soon. Or the job that you applied for, like the friend I just talked to two days ago, she had made it through the second interview. She was sure this was the job that God was answering her prayers with, and she got the news. No, she wasn't hired. Or another friend who had a biopsy this last Monday, and the news came back that it was malignant. Or your pastor's announcing that they're going to change the service times. <laughs> to, in order to reach more. These are all unexpected things that happen. Surprises that may be met with more or less enthusiasm than what I've been describing for you. So what do you do when the unexpected happens in your life? Well, I know what Alex Craze did. You know, he was an example to us all. He went out and got a big, tall ladder and pulled the projector out of the youth room and brought it in here and jury-rigged this whole thing and got the video running for the kids. And, and Kim, our children's pastor who was working with him, said, I just want to give a shout-out to Alex because you would have thought it was part of the program for the kids because he shaped that whole surprise and made it work for the kids and for the leaders that were there. And can we just give a shout out to our sound guy back there, Alex? Well, the Christmas story is filled with surprises, especially the story of Jesus' birth. And we're gonna take a look at some of the surprises today that Mary faced in giving birth to Jesus. Some of the unexpected things that she had to face 
And we're going to look at the same thing in her life. What did she do? What did she do when she faced the unexpected? Now, in our information culture, we take great pains to be informed in the hopes that we can avoid surprises. Anticipate and prepare might be the mantra of the 21st century. And when it comes to pregnancy, yes, this is the handbook. What to expect when you're expecting. How many of you have looked at the pages of this book, heard about this book, or used this book? Yeah, many of you have. Uh, and it's a great handbook. But I have to tell you, Mary didn't have this book. Okay? She did not know everything that could go wrong, or she would have been a lot more worried than she was. You know, in some ways, the first century seems a little less complicated than the 21st century when it comes to giving birth to a baby. Now, that doesn't mean, though, that Mary didn't have expectations surrounding her pregnancy, surrounding what was happening to her. In fact, she did. Young Jewish girls, which she was, had very clear expectations about both marriage and childbirth. And I want to share a few of those with you before we take a look at her story, because I'm hoping that as I read the story of her finding out about that she was going to have Jesus and what that would have meant to her with her expectations. So as a young Jewish girl, first of all, let's talk about sequence. You know, the very first part of this book is called First Things First. That's about sequence, right? Timing. Well, the sequence for a Jewish girl, they would have understood clearly that if you're engaged, you don't engage in sex until you're married, and that a baby always comes after marriage. So there's betrothal, that's the engagement period, which in their culture was the same as being married in terms of your commitment, and then there was the actual wedding, and then you had sex, and then you had kids. That was, that was the order of things. Then secondly... Being a virgin on your wedding night was incredibly important in their culture. In fact, did you know that the bride's parents were responsible to keep proof of their daughter's virginity available in case, just perchance, her husband decides after a night with her that he dislikes her for some reason and wants to use her virginity and call it into question as a means of getting rid of her, of divorcing her. And that's when the parents would be called to present this proof of her virginity. Now, there are a lot of reasons to be glad that we're 21st century women. Okay, women out there? But this is one of them. This is just one of the ones. Okay, let's take a look at another one. Unlike a lot of couples now, where we have birth control and all these means where we think we can control when we're going to have kids, and we want to wait... Most couples get married not with the expectation we're going to have kids as soon as we can and as many as we can. But Mary's expectation as a young Jewish woman would have been that. It would have been as soon as we're married, we want to have kids as soon as possible and we want to have as many as possible. Those would have been very clear expectations that she would have had. And fourthly, divorce. Divorce for any form of uncleanness was a standard practice in the culture. It was prescribed even in the law that a woman could be divorced for any form of uncleanness. And there were schools of thought, depending on the rabbi you followed, for what shaped or formed or defined uncleanness. But certainly, only men could initiate that divorce. The woman could do nothing about it. 
Now, under Jewish law, it wasn't just that divorce would be a certain expectation if you'd acted uncleanly in any way. But under Jewish law, adultery was particularly singled out for punishment. Did you know what they would do with a woman who they thought had committed adultery? They would take him out to the city gate along with the man that, they, that was the accused. And they had to have witnesses for this and, people, and proof. And then they would stone him. So it's a very harsh attitude toward adultery. And Mary would have known this as a young Jewish woman that the price of unfaithfulness, even if you were engaged, did you know Deuteronomy 22 spells out in verse 23 that this includes the woman engaged, a betrothed woman found to be unfaithful with some man? Same punishment. And then it comes to the naming protocol. How do you name your baby? She would have had the expectation, Mary would have, that when she got pregnant, they would name their baby on the eighth day when he was circumcised or when the baby was dedicated. That's when the name would have been given. And then last but not least, babies in that day were usually delivered at home and usually with the help of a midwife. So I'd like you to consider those expectations. These would have just been normal thinking for Mary, this is how life works in first century for a young Jewish woman. And now let's see what really happened for her. And we'll pick it up in Luke, the first chapter, beginning in verse 26. We're going to read a little bit of scripture this morning. We're going to read through verse 56, and then we're going to jump over to chapter 2, verse, first seven verses. The story of Jesus' birth. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, that's her cousin, Mary's cousin, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You've found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he'll reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill her promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he's been mindful of the humble state of his servant. 
From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He's performed mighty deeds with his arm, and he's scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts, and he's brought down rulers from their thrones, but he's lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things, but he's sent the rich away hungry or empty. He's helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months, and then she returned home. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. Wow. As we think about that story, how it really all happened, what happened for Mary, how she heard about what was going to happen in her life, and what the firstborn child in her marriage was going to be like. Let's consider the expectations that were not met or that were changed for Mary, this young Jewish girl that she was perhaps as young as 13 or 14 years old when this is happening to her. And she got the surprise of her life. Some of the unexpected things. First of all, let's revisit that issue of timing. In her culture, sequence was marriage, then a baby. In her case, the angel was informing her it was going to be engagement and a baby, then marriage. This was unacceptable to her culture, to the friends that she lived around, to the family that she related to. Secondly, the means, a virgin having a baby. Being a virgin at marriage was really important in her culture. And it's going to be pretty hard to explain a virgin birth to her friends and convince them that she hasn't been sexually active, which would have been a a big no-no in her culture. And then divorce or death by stoning were the logical and the legal outcomes of this news that the angel was bringing her. You try explaining this to the people around you and to your fiancé. I'm pregnant, but God's the father. No worries. No worries. You know, I haven't been unfaithful to you. I mean, this has never been done before. And you're 13 or 14 years old. What would you be thinking? Her fiancé, Joseph, would have had difficult decisions to make. In fact, if we read in Matthew's gospel a little bit of what he was going through, it says he had it in his mind to divorce her quietly. He didn't want to expose her to public disgrace. But God came and spoke to him and assured him that Mary was telling the truth about who the father really was. And so he kept her as his wife. And then there's the naming protocol 
These are lesser issues, but still expectations that were changed because her and Joseph didn't give Jesus his name. God himself did. The angel told him what he should be called. And last but not least, rather than giving birth in a home, you'd think at least at this moment, we'll get a proper delivery room for Jesus, the Messiah. But instead, it was the feeding crib for some animals in some manger in a town they didn't live in. All of these were unexpected things, things that went against the expectations Mary would have had. And Mary's left to wonder about the whole lot of them. And I'm just wondering if you can feel the thoughts and the emotions that she might have been experiencing, the uncertainty about her future that she might have had, the lack of role models. I mean, there is no book. What to expect when you're expecting the Messiah, you know? There wasn't a book for her to pick up. The potential for shame and even her life being threatened. The concern over what is Joseph going to say about this? How did Mary respond to these surprises? Let's take a look. There's two things that we want to highlight today and then think about our lives and how we respond to the unexpected in our own lives. The first observation is this. God's surprises are acts of his grace and expressions of his presence. And we need to accept them. That's what Mary discovered. That this unexpected news, that this surprising turn of events was actually an act of grace toward her. And it all starts right at the beginning when the angel shows up and says, Hey, Mary. Well, he didn't exactly say that. He said greetings because that's the way they greeted people. Greetings, you who are highly favored by the Lord. Highly favored, a word only used, that little combination, one other place in the New Testament, in Ephesians 1, verse 6, where Paul's talking about his glorious grace, same word, which he's freely given us in the one that he loves. His glorious grace. Greetings, you who are experiencing, who are the recipient of God's unmerited favor, of God's grace. Greetings, you who have the presence of the Lord with you. That's quite a greeting. The angel prefaces the surprising news that he's about to give by telling Mary, you're a recipient of God's grace, and he's with you. See, God's grace, his undeserved favor, includes us being interrupted for his plans and his purposes at any time in our lives. And that's what was happening here for Mary. She's definitely not getting what she expected. But can you see with me what an amazing backdrop this is for the surprises that Mary was facing? You are in the middle of God's grace. You are in the middle of God's presence. And that's the backdrop for the surprising news. And that's not just true of Mary, folks. That's true of us. In the middle of your worst surprise, God's grace is extended to you. God's presence is with you. And the angel was smart. He, let her, he reminded her of this first rather than after the news. I'm, th I'm thinking that the news itself could have quickly eliminated this from her thinking. You know, she's not planning for a wedding now. She's having an angelic pregnancy test. 
She's remaining a virgin, but going to find herself pregnant. She's at risk of losing everything she has with Joseph, even perhaps her own life. Yet she does something really wise. She asks a question. Instead of resisting or rebelling or withdrawing, when the angel brings her this astounding news, instead she engages. Asking a question is good. It's engagement. And her question happens to be very particular to her surprise. She says, how is this going to be? Because I'm a virgin. And Mary knew where babies came from. So that's not really what she was wondering. She couldn't figure out how it had happened. If babies really come from having sex, how is this one going to come about? And that's when the, whole, the angel explains it to her and says this wonderful piece. It says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Presence of God Himself is going to completely overshadow you. And that word overshadow, it's the same word that was used in the Hebrew when it talked about the tent of meeting or the tabernacle being completely shrouded in a cloud of the Lord's presence, completely hidden from view because the holy God came down in the form of this cloud and covered the whole tabernacle, the whole tent of meeting with His presence. It's the same word that's used in the New Testament on the, what's called the mountain of transfiguration. When Jesus went up on the mountain, took Peter, James, and John with him, and they're standing there looking at Jesus, and suddenly Jesus is talking with Moses and Elijah, and Peter comes up with the bright idea, let's build three shelters for you. And as he's saying that, here's what happens. A cloud comes upon Peter, James, and John and completely covers them. And they're afraid. And a voice comes out of the cloud, says, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. The presence of God came upon Mary, enshrouded her life. That's how this baby was going to come to pass. What was the angel really telling her? That God is in this. God's in what I'm telling you right now, this surprise. And in fact, he's all over it. And you know what? That's when we can begin to accept the unexpected in our lives is when we ask the question, where is God in this surprise? Where is God in this surprise? That's the way we can engage in our unexpected moments. And that's what Mary discovered is that God was in it and all over it. And this was enough for her to say these wonderful words, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. That's a humble acceptance of what must have been amazing, life-altering news. And that brings us to the second highlight from Mary's story. You see, Mary praised God for his surprises without understanding everything that was going on still. Now, she had more questions than answers. And the truth is, we can do the same thing. We can praise God for the surprises in our lives even before we understand everything that's happening. If you read ahead a little bit in Luke, the second chapter, the 19th verse, we read this about Mary's life. She said that she treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. What was she pondering? Well, you know, the book, What to Expect When You're Expecting, every chapter has a, a little section called what you may be wondering about at this stage in the pregnancy. There was lots to wonder about 
being pregnant. But for Mary, I think that she had a whole nother layer of wondering going on. Did Mary understand what this unexpected pregnancy meant, not just for her life, but for the whole world and for her people, the Jewish people? Did she understand yet that she was giving birth to the Messiah who was going to usher in a whole new kingdom? Not a kingdom like Caesar Augustus, a kingdom built on the backs and the very lives of his subjects, but rather a kingdom not of this world where the king himself would come and die for the subjects? That's totally upside down and backwards from their understanding of kingdom. Could she really have understood that this kingdom was going to be a kingdom that was going to last forever, longer than the 25 years that this Caesar Augustus had been in power? A man who had clawed and climbed his way on the backs of other people in order to retain his power, who had made political alliances with anyone or everyone that would promote his power this was a whole different kind of leader that she was giving birth to so what was she wondering about what did all this mean why were angels showing up and shepherds visiting this new baby and how amazing is it anyway that i'm going to give birth to god's son the promised messiah and what is that going to look like how is he going to save his people from their sins as the angel prophesied to Joseph in Matthew, the first chapter. She had a lot of questions, and she didn't have a whole lot of answers at that point. But still, she understood that she was experiencing an act of grace and an expression of God's presence in her life so she could praise him in the middle of her surprise. And if we look at verses 46 through 56, Here's how she started it. It says, And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he's been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. First and foremost, she thanked him for this pregnancy, for this outrageous request of the angel this pronouncement that was mind-blowing for the privilege. You know, this song of praise is called the Magnificat. The word there literally means to enlarge because Mary was expounding on who God was, speaking of his greatness and who he was in her life, even though she didn't understand half of what was going on. Mary's story had not even played out yet. There were more surprises ahead, but she was a woman of faith who understood that this pregnancy was an expression of God's presence and grace in her life, so she praised him. You know, in her little 10 verses of praise, the song she wrote for him, it includes multiple references to Old Testament ideas about God. And it tells us that even though this young girl was from a humble background, not a wealthy home by any means, not from a place of power, that she knew God's word. She knew God's word, and she could call upon it in the most unexpected event of her life. Let's take a look at it, because it's a great model for us when we think about, I can praise God in the middle of my unexpected moments. Let's, just quickly, she begins by praising God for what he's done for her, literally for this surprise. That isn't always easy. 
we mentioned at the beginning, all surprises aren't created equal. Pretty easy to praise God for a raise, isn't it, that you didn't expect? But what about a downsizing you didn't expect? That's what was going on here. Next, she recalls certain attributes of God. And if you take a look at those verses later, you'll see that she's recalling his power, she's recalling his mercy, and she's recalling his justice as it worked out very practically in the lives of others. And finally, she recalls God's faithfulness to her people, Israel, in past times. What a great lineup of praise when we're in the middle of our own unexpected surprises. I can say, I praise you, Lord, right now for what you're doing, even though I don't understand it all. And I'm so glad that you are who you are in the middle of this. And I'm going to remember the things you've done in the past as a reminder of your faithfulness in this moment. I can do that when I got news that my dad had had a brain aneurysm and he hadn't yet said yes to Jesus. And I could take a moment in time, I could stop and I could pray and say, God, thank you. Thank you for this moment and what you're going to do. This is going to be an act of grace that somehow is part of your story in my dad's life. And then I could remember his faithfulness to answer prayers. And I could reflect on that and say, I know you're going to answer a prayer. Somehow this will turn out for my dad's salvation. You know, that's a surprise that you can get when my daughter ended up having her first ultrasound on her first pregnancy, and they saw twins. Huge surprise. Her husband didn't happen to be with her. She got to call him on the phone and give him the news. But then, within just a couple of days, they discovered that one of the twins had died. That's a surprise. That's an unexpected moment. But the other one lived to become our first granddaughter, Katie. And in those moments, that's when you get to say, God, I praise you for your plans. This is an act of grace. And it's evidence of your presence in my life. Quite the opposite of what the enemy wants to convince each one of us of in those moments. He wants to separate us from Jesus. He wants us to pull away. He wants us to resist. He wants us to rebel. He wants us to get mad at God. That's not what's happening here for Mary, and it's not what needs to happen in our lives. When we see God's surprises for what they really are as expressions of his presence and his grace in our life, then we, too, can begin to praise him for them. This last week was the 20th anniversary of the death of a very good friend of Jared Nye's. And his daughter, who was eight years old when he died, produced a video and sent it to us, along with some of the other friends, about 20 things I praise God for about my dad's death. Now, that might sound strange to some of you. You see, she was eight years old when her dad passed away. Steve Perry was a church planter, pastored a church in Cheney, Washington. He went to school with us, and you know how those friends are lifelong friends. He got stomach cancer. And I don't know if any of you have ever walked through that with somebody, but it's a terrible way to go. You starve to death. But Brooke, his daughter, who was only eight at the time, can look back 20 years and did an amazing video. 
And on that, she was able to say, God, I praise you for the fact that my dad walked me to school every day for those two years that I was in school and he was still here. Thank you for giving me that memory. Thank you, God, that my dad was a person of the word and that even at eight, I was aware of that. But then she did some more astounding ones. She said, God, I thank you for his death because in his death, I was able to get to know my stepdad, which was some years later that her her mom remarried. And he is an amazing man and has added so much to my life. And then she went on to thank God for the friends that she got to know of her dad's. The friends she first was mad about because they had more memories of her dad than she did. But she came to appreciate that God had given her a gift in those friends. And she named all of us one by one. That's what we mean when we talk about we too can, by the power of the Holy Spirit, respond with praise in the middle of a surprise. You know, sometimes... Those big moments, we might even be more aware. But sometimes it's a small surprise, a small unexpected event. Like finding out that your stylist uh, has has to cancel your appointment and put you with someone else or you're going to have to find someone else because she needs shoulder surgery. And that happened for me just a few weeks ago. And when I was on the way to the appointment with this total stranger that I didn't know, I just knew her first name was Michelle, I had this sense, this is a grace moment, not a hair moment. Now, for those of you who aren't women, rem- women really do not like changing their stylus like this, okay? But I had this sense from God, this is a hair, not a hair moment, it really is a grace moment. I want you to pray for this woman and an opportunity to share God's life, my life with her. And so I sit down and Michelle starts cutting my hair and we start talking and she found out about Uganda and she said, have you always been religious? She said, how did that start in your life? I mean, was your family? And I said, well, you know, that's an interesting question. And that started the conversation. I got to share the simple gospel as God shared it with me, how it worked out in my life as a young 10-year-old girl. And we had a moment of grace. And I got to invite her to E. And I'll get to see her again. In the unexpected moments, when we can see them as an expression of God's grace and his presence. It changes everything. I can begin to accept him, and I can begin to praise him for them. So what about you? What do you happen? What do you, what do, you do when the unexpected happens in your life? As the band comes out, I want to give you an opportunity to just reflect for a few, few moments there. I'm going to invite you to close your eyes for a minute. And they're just going to play softly. And as they do, I invite you to consider what surprise in your life is he waiting for you to accept and praise him for so that you can be a display of his grace to others? And where do you need to see him in the middle of your surprise? Maybe that's where you're at today. It's, God, I still don't see where you're at in the middle of this. You know that the Holy Spirit can do that for you. He can show you just as certainly as that angel showed Mary.